You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Brothers and sisters, let us now open the Word of God and, and read from it. I proclaim to you this afternoon what the Word of God teaches us about the Sixth Commandment, as it is summarized in Lord's Day 40 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You shall not murder. Let us now read from the Bible what God teaches us about respecting life. First, we read Genesis 4, verse 1 to 16. In chapter 3, the Bible tells us about the fall into sin by Adam and Eve and how they were expelled from paradise. Now we read in chapter 4, verse 1 to 16, Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked in the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And then in the following verses, the Bible tells us about the descendants of Cain. And about those descend- one of those descendants, we read in verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. Then we go to chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. In chapter 6, the Bible describes how God saw everything on earth and how it was all evil. 
verse 5 to 8, we read, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then the following chapters speak about the punishment which came over the earth through the flood. And in chapter 9, then Noah had left the ark. And then we read there in chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. So far, the reading from the Old Testament. Now we go to the New Testament, to Galatians 5, verse 13 to 26. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us now read from the Hebrew Catechism, Lord say 40. Lord say 40, there we read how the church confesses and summarizes from the Bible about the sixth commandment. What does God require in the sixth commandment? I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also, the government bears a sword to prevent murder. But does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Is it enough, then, that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No, when God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Beloved brothers and sisters, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, God, our Lord, who gave us the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words of the Covenant, he himself summarized these Ten Commandments, we heard this morning from Deuteronomy 6 that he summarized them as Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The Lord also commanded in Leviticus that we shall love our neighbor as ourselves. When the Lord Jesus was asked to summarize, to, to mention the most important commands of the law, then he gave indeed this summary which he got from the Old Testament with the two texts I just mentioned from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And he gave these commandments as the one and great commandment that is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. These two go together. And that's also what John explains to us, what he says to us in his letters in First John. He says, How can you love God if you cannot even love your neighbor? If someone says, I love God, but hates his neighbor, he is a liar. If you cannot love your neighbor who has been created in God's image, how can you love God? That's impossible. And it's important there to to note that that, that John speaks about our neighbor, our relationship to our neighbor, and, and our love for our neighbor that's so much connected with our love for God. And, and there, the image, being the image of God plays an important role. We, as human beings, we represent God on this earth, represent Him towards His creation, but also towards each other. We are all created in God's image. And therefore, if we hate God's image, then with that we also hate God. Therefore, love for our neighbor cannot be 
separated from love for God. It is therefore that the Catechism mentions in, in this command, the sixth commandment, uh, there the Catechism mentions this second command, love your neighbor as yourselves. And we also read it in Galatians 5, verse 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, I proclaim to you the word of God this afternoon about the sixth commandment, summarized under this theme, our neighbor is created in God's image. And at first, we see God demands that we respect his life. And second, God demands that we show him love. Our neighbor is created in God's image. God demands that we respect his life. God gave his Ten Commandments to his people to protect life as he created it, to protect his creation, and also to protect us who are created in God's image. God created us in his image so that we could live with him in a relationship of love. The purpose of our life is to live in love with God and our neighbor. And that is why God forbids us to murder. Murder is the ultimate result of hate. Where God in the Old Testament makes it clear that murder should not be tolerated, in the New Testament God even goes one step farther. In the New Testament we are again one step closer to our renewal. Through the work of Christ we are redeemed and we receive the Holy Spirit who renews us in the image of Jesus Christ. And therefore we also see a progress in God's commands. Of course, also in the Old Testament, the commandments were summarized in a command to love our God with all our heart and soul and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Summary of Matthew 22 is a quotation from two texts in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. However, in the New Testament, these words, the commandments to love, receive much more emphasis. Our Lord Jesus Christ speaks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. After the fall in sin, God is showing mankind what the result of sin is and how deep mankind fell when it fell in sin. We can read it in the Bible right away after Genesis 3, where the Bible tells us about the fall in sin the disobedience of Adam and Eve, then in Genesis 4, there we read together how Cain hated his brother Abel and how he killed him. And in the same chapter, we read about Lamech, one of the descendants of Cain, and how he boasts in his attitudes and deeds of revenge and hate. Now he says, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. And there we see to what the sin of Cain led. It goes from bad to worse. And when God spoke to Cain after he killed Abel, and God condemned Cain to live as a fugitive on this earth, then Cain got scared. He was afraid that everyone was free to hunt him and kill him. But then God said, no, 
Not so. And the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. What exactly that was, that that mark that God put on Cain, we don't know. But it was known to the entire world in those days, and that were all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. It was known to the entire world that Cain should not be killed, or else the murderer would fall under God's revenge. Cain was also created in God's image, even though he committed a terrible sin and murdered his brother. Later on in Genesis 9, God demands that the murderer must be killed. But that's not so here with Cain. Although Cain did not show repentance over his sin, God still did give him the opportunity. But then right away thereafter, in the same chapter, we read how the descendants of Cain took their right into their own hands. And Lamech was not satisfied with what God promised Cain. God promised Cain that whoever would kill Cain would be avenged seven times. But Lamech thought he could do better than God. And he would increase his revenge from sevenfold to seventy-seven times. There we see what happens as if evil can continue and if evil receives free reign in society. The entire society became corrupt. It even affected the people of God. Many from God's people, the descendants of Seth, went over to the race of Cain and became just as corrupt as Cain's descendants. In chapter 6, verse 8, there we read... Six verse five. Sorry, there we read. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And that is why God decided to bring that world to an end. There was no love on earth anymore. And that society clearly showed what is going to happen to mankind if God lets them go on their own ways. Then God concluded that society became the complete opposite of what he intended with his creation. As we know that nothing happens against God's plan and also this was what he foresaw and even gave a place in his plan. He let this happen. This is meant as a lesson for us. That is why it is also mentioned in the Bible. It's for God's people. It shows us how true it is what the church summarizes in Lord's Day 2 of the Hadrach Catechism, that we are by nature inclined to hate God and our neighbor. We can read it on the first pages of the Bible. And then only Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. On the entire earth, only one family. It was terrible in those days. Imagine it is quite a while from Adam to Noah. If you take the numbers as mentioned in the Bible, 
and, and the most conservative estimate, then it is still at least 1,650 years from the beginning until the flood. If you look at our own world, how much the population of the world has grown over 16 centuries. And then keep in mind that people in those days got much older than now. So probably the earth was just as populated as it is now. And from that entire world population, there was only one family that still lived in love for God and their neighbor. How sad that was. God had to destroy the creation because of the total sinfulness and corruption of mankind. It is His grace that He continues with His creation through Noah. He makes a new start, humanly spoken. And then after the flood, when Noah comes out of the ark, and God gives him again the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, then he also tells Noah that murder should not be tolerated. In Genesis 9, verse 5, there we read, And for your life, blood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, and from each man too I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. Well, you notice this is different from the situation in Genesis 4, where God did not allow Cain to be killed, even though he was a murderer. And from what followed after that, we can see how deep sin went and totally corrupted human nature. God teaches us how evil mankind is, and that therefore every evil should be nipped in the bud. Every murder should be punished right away and removed from this creation. And in the following verses of Genesis 9, God makes a covenant with the entire creation. A covenant that he will never again cut off all flesh by the waters of the flood. But just before that, God made it abundantly clear that mankind itself should not tolerate a sliding down into the same situation as before the flood. God institutes punishment here. Evil must not be tolerated in God's creation. The order which God has instituted in this creation must be maintained. And if that does not happen, then mankind will end up in just as much an evil situation as before the flood. In the New Testament, we read that in this world there will be a split and and more and more when we go towards the end of times it will become clear in Revelation 22 verse 10 and 11 there we read that Christ says to John do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. And also the Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, 
told us the parable of the weeds. A man sowed good seeds in his field. Then we read in Matthew 13, but verse 25, 13 verse 25, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed hands, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So there we see that God is separating in this life on this earth those who do good from those who do evil. And Christ tells us, as his people in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 21, 22, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And then right away thereafter, we also read, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. In this world in which we live, more and more murder is being tolerated. Although still many people believe it is wrong, still the command of God to kill all those who commit murder is put aside. The punishment for murder nowadays does not show how severe a sin murder is. The sixth commandment, you shall not kill, is the first and only commandment which God explicitly mentions after the flood to Noah, when he makes a new start with mankind. But nowadays it sometimes looks like there are so many other sins which receive a more severe punishment than murder. And only in exceptional, terrible situations will murder be punished with a real life sentence. Leave alone capital punishment. And this shows that the respect for God and for man as created in his image is mostly gone. More and more our culture is becoming a culture of death. Even though people are desperately seeking for eternal life, the life that Christ gives them, they reject. And there again we see the work of Satan. And he totally twists the truth. He leads them on the way to death. And so many in this world will gladly follow him. And over against that, God and Christ tell us that in a church we not only shall not kill, but we shall even go much farther than that and even the root of murder. All hatred and envy should be removed. 
We are God's people. We receive a new life. And our new life must be totally different from what we see in this world. The life and the norms and the ethics of this world should be should not be our norms and our guidelines, but we shall follow God's commands. His will, which is revealed to us in the Bible, we will follow Jesus Christ and what He teaches us about loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves. If we do not respect our neighbor, even our enemy, even our unbelieving fellow human beings, then we do not respect God who created every human being in his image. In this way, the separation between those who belong to God and those who belong to Satan becomes more and more clear. And on Judgment Day, this separation will become definitive in eternal life and eternal death. In the second place, we see that God demands that we show our neighbor love. We are not finished with the sixth commandments if we do not kill our neighbor or don't even, don't do evil things to him. And when we live a healthy lifestyle. No, God teaches us that obedience to the sixth commandment starts in our hearts. In 1 John 3, there we read that anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. He also writes there that this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, that we should not be like Cain, who was of of the evil one, and and he murdered his brother. Even if we don't kill our neighbor or, or hurt our neighbor, and even if we don't say anything bad about him, then still we can kill him in our thoughts. Or maybe even not kill him, but just just hate him. We don't like him or her, for whatever reason. And that is the beginning of murder. And that is the root of murder. That is what the Catechism says in answer 106. By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. And John writes about that in First John 3 as well, that Cain's deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. There was evil in his heart. And the result was that he only did deeds that were evil, and that resulted in the murder of his brother Abel. There already we see the separation between those who do good and those who do evil. Those who do evil will be consumed by evil. They will be filled with hatred and envy. And that is where the murder begins. If you let evil come into your heart, if you open the door for evil, then there is no end to it. Then you give up power over yourself. You give it up to Satan. Envy. As soon as it starts in your heart, it can be terrible. In Proverbs 14, verse 30, they would read... A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. If you live in hate for your neighbor, if you admit envy into your heart, 
that does not only make life difficult for your neighbor, but often and often in the first place for yourself. If you always complain about others, if nothing what others can do is good, and if the first thought that comes up in your hearts, or the first reaction to what others say is always negative, if you always consider yourselves better than others, well, does that make you really happy? You make life difficult for those living around you but also for yourself. You can never be thankful. As it is said in Proverbs, envy makes the bones rot. All the gossiping, slandering, we love to do it, but makes it, makes, does it make us really happy? Does it make us really a better being? No. It makes the bones rot. It destroys us at the end. Because man is created in God's image. We shall not only not kill him, but we shall not hate him. A show in any way contempt for him either. Because if we hate him, then indeed we hate someone who is created in God's image. God called us to be free. Don't become a slave of Satan. Satan's will is that we are in the power of hate. His will is to destroy our lives. Either by the hatred of someone else or by our own hatred. And there's no better way for him to destroy our lives than to fill us with selfishness and with hatred for others. And when God created mankind, then he created them as creatures who were destined to live in a relationship of love. Love for God and love for the neighbor. And that is something that is so totally part of human nature that not loving will be totally unnatural. However, Satan was able to replace that most important part of our character with hate and envy. And we cannot escape that fate. As we saw in Proverbs 14, it is through this envy that we are being destroyed. It makes the bones rot. And even more, it will make mankind rot and burn in eternal death. Mankind is in the power of Satan, his slaves. It is only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we can escape the power of Satan. Therefore, God emphasizes time and again, already in the Old Testament, but even more so in the New Testament, that fulfilling God's commandments can only be done when we love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. Without love, it is impossible to fulfill God's commandments. And Paul describes the result of our new creation, the work of the Spirit in Galatians 5. First, he says in 5 verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And again in verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
And then in verse 16 to 26, he describes both sides. First, the side of slavery, which means gratifying the desires of the flesh. And then the life through the Spirit. Compare these two. What appeals most to you? The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. There, Paul describes life as we can see it all around us in this world, and maybe even in our own circles sometimes. Envy, dissensions, factions. And Paul warns that all those who live such a life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he speaks about life through the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. If you look at your own life, brothers and sisters, if you look deep in your own heart, which of these two do you prefer? Of course, with your mind, you know what you prefer, but look at your heart. What is it that your heart prefers? Which of these two do you see in your own life? And they both are about our relationship with God as well as our relationship with our neighbor. If we live by the Spirit, well, let us then also keep in step with the Spirit. It is not possible that we live by the Spirit and at the same time live the life of the world. Brothers and sisters, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us then stand firm and live in the glorious freedom of the children of God, that life which we receive from the Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.